space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the starship Enterprise. It's five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilization, to boldly go where no man has gone before. Greetings, salutations, and welcome to Retrek. I'm Captain Jim. With me, of course, is Admiral Elliot. Hi there. And we've no Doctor Squee this week. Something about no, a wedding uh, or something. In, yeah. yeah, his daughter. How inconsiderate can you get planning your wedding when we're meant to be doing a podcast? Ridiculous, isn't it? So, it is. We'll have words about that, but don't worry. We're perfectly prepared to talk about the latest episode of Lower Decks. If I can say this, bit of a tongue twister, this one. Mining the Mind's Minds. I think yep. I got that got right. One. So that's the episode of Lower Decks, and that's led us on to Booby Trap from TNG for reasons yep. that if you've not seen the episode, well, if you've not seen the episode, maybe pause the podcast, come back when you have seen it. But yep. it'll only take you 24 minutes to watch a bit of Lower Decks. Exactly. It's, it's pretty obvious why we're covering this one, um, but we'll get there as we go through it. Oh, little bit of Trek news this week, and I don't know if anyone else has been following this story, but William Shatner is apparently being blackmailed by a diehard subsection of supernatural fandom. Why? Um, as far as like, I can... I've not watched Supernatural, so it's no, it Supernatural. Uh, as far as I can work out, and this is just the story as I understand it, so please nobody sewers or anything like that from what i understand william shatner is mate, mates with matt pellegrino who appeared on supernatural and matt yeah. pellegrino has liked a tweet from someone who is a big fan of what they call wincest which is um a shipper fandom where they want sam and dean to get it on but in the show sam and dean are brothers so it's incestuous. Yeah. So these people are now claiming that William Shatner supports incest. <sighs> and apparently they have some documents that they're going to release about Shatner. Um, but see, the thing is with this, like, just ignore it, Bill. They don't have any documents on you. And even <laughs> if they did... Who cares? Just, but he's getting really riled up about it. So it's honestly just let it go, let it go. It's not even <laughs> worth your time, you know. <coughs> but there we go. So we'll. Well, we did have some other Trek stuff happen this last oh, week. Real Trek news. Go on then. Yeah, we did have Star Trek Day. Mm. Mm. <laughs> yeah, we did, and there was a Picard trailer. There was Anna Prodigy trailer yeah oh i've not seen the prodigy trailer that can't come out last time i checked it but the picard one's looking really good the the design of the uss titan is brilliant it's the titan a isn't it yeah so, it's the titan a and apparently it's the it's the so, new constitution class yeah but that means that something happens to the titan yeah between what we've seen in lower decks yeah which we know isn't far away in the future from picard no true and Picard, and Picard season three, something happens. To Ooh, him. maybe we'll get maybe. Um, maybe we'll get that as well. Maybe Thomas Boimler blows it up or something, <laughs> or William Boimler or whatever it was they called him in the end. I think he went for William Boimler, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, I think like so. 
Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, maybe he's responsible for it. I don't know. But, yeah, that trailer pretty much delivered everything you could have asked of it, apart from showing well, us the Enterprise, but they're saving that. I I think we're going to get... I From this, like, all we've had is about 30 seconds yeah, from yeah. 10 episodes. Yeah, it's very low. So, I don't think the Titan is near the beginning. I think we might see the Titan get destroyed. Mm. Which is part of what puts Picard on his mission for Maybe, season Maybe, yeah. And they end up with the Titan Air. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that we'll see the Enterprise Yeah, they'll, they've got to be saving it. They know we all want it. Yeah. And let's be fair, they have been listening to the fans yeah, that we want and giving us it. Definitely. They, they've realised that from early discovery when they weren't listening to us, They've realised, yeah, we're the fans. Give us what we want and we'll love it. Yeah. And we won't just watch the thing. We'll subscribe to your Paramount. Mm-hmm. We'll go out and buy the DVDs, the Blu-rays, everything else that you come out with, all your toys you can release. Yeah. Oh, there's a lot of Star Trek toys coming out at the minute. There are yeah. a lot have been announced. They're not, not out, out yet, but... Yeah, that Playmobil Bird of Prey looks pretty good, but I haven't got the room or the money, so <laughs> probably not. But yeah, the Enterprise, it'll maybe be a bit like in All Good Things, like in the future bit of All Good Things, they start off on the Pasteur, but then the Enterprise gets to come in a little bit later in the story yeah. and get its big hero moment, so maybe we're going to get that, I don't know. Uh, yeah, but like I wonder if we might, because we've already had some... Ships from uh, Star Trek Online mm, yeah. have made it in. So I'm wondering if uh, we might get the Enterprise F or the Enterprise yeah. G from Star Trek Online. Well, the oh, Enterprise... interesting fact about the Titan A, mm. it's actually a, a fan's model. Is it's it? Bill Krause, Bill Krause again, who did the gold display of the um, Stargazer. Oh, yeah. This is his model of the sh- the Shang- Shangri-La that he did so- a few years ago. Oh, that's brilliant. Of his um, sort of future constitution and the fuse his model again. Oh, that's fantastic. But they've now taken it to an even bigger level. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Good lad. Um, yeah, so we'll wait and see what happens with Picard. We know it's February next year. Um, yeah. So I would guess that'll be the next live action we get. Um, unless Discovery starts before, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not sure. Well, what we do know is Prodigy. We got the small trailer for Prodigy. Mm-hmm. And all, all we got was um, Janeway, Janeway, real Janeway on the Prometheus mm-hmm. chasing after the Prodigy. Right. And then warp are very close. And then basically on the deck, on the bridge going, we can't let her catch us. They know what's going to happen at this point if they contact right. Starfleet. And that okay. was pretty much it. But we know Prodigy comes out October the 27th. Mm-hmm. So our show the week after will be Lower Decks Finale, mm-hmm. Prodigy... Um, oh, Premier. is it? Are they crossing over? Yeah, Having a, yeah, yeah I, a was looking, I was looking at my calendar and they would cross over. Right, okay. I can live with that. I can live with that. So that's going to be really good fun. But yeah, Lower Decks then, this week's Mining the Mind's Mind. 
I liked how we got a proper pre-credit sequence in this one. Like it was, it was like an old-fashioned teaser where you show something yeah, going wrong on a planet, and yeah. then we get the crew afterwards. So I enjoyed that. Reminded me a little bit of um, the the whole concept. Reminded me a bit of Sirens from Red Dwarf. Where they they lure you in by appearing usually as sexy women and then they get you. I mean, obviously, it's yeah. a, it, it, I'm not saying they've ripped it off Red Dwarf because that it's a well, trope that was, that's, that's been ripped, done. That's ripped off from Greek mythology. So. Exactly. So yeah, it's Is that one the, of them. Um, Homer's uh, Odyssey. Something like that. Yeah, or the the Iliad or something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then the USS Hood. That must be one of the longest serving ships in Starfleet because it's an Excelsior class. It's an Excelsior class before the upgrades that they gave for the Enterprise B. And it's been in service since at least Encounter at Farpoint because that's the ship that Riker came off of. Yeah. Um, so it's doing well. Well, to be fair, we did see the Excelsior classes in DS9. Mm. And they were getting refits and all that. The Excelsior is a great, is a really strong design. It's yeah, yeah. designed for a hundred years' life. Well, that's it, and it's it's doing well, especially the hoods. So, um, yeah, I thought that was a good touch. That rather than going, let's do an updated hood, they were like, no, we'll we'll stick with the no, one we'll that we know. Hood. We'll have a little cameo of a ship that you already recognise and. To be fair, that's there for the hardcore fans. Like the, there's not many casual viewers who go, "Oh, I remember that from Encounter at Farpoint." Yeah. But you know what? That's what we're here for. That's the sort of thing we notice. And then Ransom's kicking off about the the colonists, and it's this interesting setup in here where we've got rock monsters again, or rock people we at are. the very least. Well, rock people. Yeah. But yeah, the. Yeah, they're definitely made of rock. Yeah. So, again, Shatner would be loving it, but um, he's, he's too busy getting attacked by crazy supernatural fans at the minute, but at least they've got rock monsters Wincess. in it for him. <laughs> Wincess. Don't Google it on your work computers, ladies and gentlemen, you know. <laughs> it's a thing. It exists. Again, though, look, Star Trek fandom. We, we invented shipping, so... You know, the the supernatural might be doing a lot of work with it at the minute, but Kirk and Spock, <laughs> that was the original ship. Yeah. We invented that. When you say Kirk and Spock actually read a um, quite funny article just before the show. And if you think about it, Leonard Nimoy and Spock would actually get on really well. Yeah. And they might play a loop together and have a nice chat and all that but if William Shatner met um, Captain mm. Kirk he'd probably batter him <laughs> yeah that's a very good point yes yeah can't argue with that um, um, just that give me a nice little chuckle when I was reading that yeah it's a very good point yeah and we as long time listeners will know we talk about space magic quite a bit Whereas I feel like this is the closest to like an open acknowledgement of it we've got. So we've got fantasy rocks in this episode. Uh, no. 
I think these actually get explained. Oh, yeah. Yeah, these get explained. Ah, they're the used to spy on people, aren't they? Yeah, and like if you've got. We already know that holograms in this can be solid holograms. Mm hmm. And all that. So. No, it's quite easy. So you, you think there's technology. a there's a fully technological explanation yeah, for I it? Yeah, I think this is fully technologically based okay. and not a problem. But Stevens it. does call them fantasy rocks, so at least he's well. That's before while they don't know what they are. And he, he's thinking along our lines, though. He's he's seen enough space magic in his time to be. But yeah, you're right. There there could be a scientific explanation. And then this is how we get the link to our TNG episode because Rutherford imagines Leah Brahms. Yeah, so. and like straight away here, as soon as he's fought Leah Brahms, it's hussy. Yeah, he's all over it. Well, pretty much all the fantasies are in this. Yeah, but this is a pattern with her her holograms yeah it's a pattern with her holograms I don't think we can judge the real Leah Brahms but <laughs> but yeah it's weird that this is a recurring character in Star Trek this is a third appearance but only one out of the three was real yeah but again she's there straight away flirting with an engineer that's true yeah an engineer with a cybernetic eye implant yeah. well. maybe she just got a type yeah. So maybe, I like a bit of robotics. Or at least fantasy Leah Brahms seems to have a type anyway. And meanwhile, they've got like this... We'll talk about this further in the next episode. Oh, we will because... when we talk about Booby Trap, yeah. Um, they get really competitive with this other crew, don't they? Like, you've got the crew... Yeah, well, you have the other crew being really off with them and all that. Yeah. No, we follow orders. No, we were on our ship following orders. No, we won't be swapping. That's not in our mission brief. Our mission brief is to do this. Yeah. And obviously it turns out that it's because they're in awe of the the Cerritos. <laughs> but... I quite like that that comes out, that. Because we see all these crazy adventures, the Cerritos, mm. on, and it is the second contact ship. It isn't the first contact ship at the begin at the front of the line. The California class, uh, classic, they're going and they do specific jobs after first contact is mm. made. And that's it. And it's nice to think that within that niche, they've become like these legends and their stories. Yeah, uh, yeah they're, what, they're what everyone aspires to get go, get transferred to the Cerritos. Yeah, and... I really like that. <laughs> and, you know, we, we've been covering them for two and a half seasons now and they do have some pretty crazy adventures so it makes sense that they'd be seen that way um, Boimler's imagination then I love that it's an admiral but he's on a motorbike with a sidecar and he's like yeah. jumping my sidecar which well, is even in your fantasy you, you're still subordinate yeah it's brilliant it's like um, there's a, a bit in the American version of The Office where Dwight's arguing with Jim and it, he ends up saying, like, uh, you, you'll be staying in my hotel that I manage in hell. And Jim's like, so in your wildest fantasy, you run a bed and breakfast in hell. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> and then... 
Mariner imagines Jennifer. And we thought we got a bit of a vibe when they made friends at the end of the last season, but it appears yeah. now that they are actually a couple. They're just not not in the same place in terms of how they're defining the relationship. Or at least Mariner doesn't think they are, because we don't see we don't see real Jennifer in this episode, no. so we don't know where she actually stands on it all. But certainly in Mariner's imagination, they're not quite in the same place. And then the other sort of ongoing plot line is Freeman and this new captain, and Freeman's jealous because he seems like the cool captain. But it ends up with this, neither of them want this rock that they bring as a, a yeah. tribute. And it, no, you have it, you have it. And maybe, I don't know, maybe they overdo that joke a little bit because it does just go on for the whole episode. Yeah, it goes on a long time, but like it turns out that Freeman just don't really want it and he thinks that she should have it because she's the better captain yeah that's it and it's and we do see freeman's um quarter uh, her office she has got a lot of trinkets so yeah i suppose it does get annoying if every time an alien species wants to give you a trinket and you've just not got the room for them uh, and we also have a third plot going on oh yeah sorry we have a uh, like, this is probably actually more the B plot than mm. the two captains, because we have Tom Tendy, who's um, starting a senior science officer training. Yeah, and she uh, she's like assigned to the bird psychiatrist guy. Yeah. <laughs> who just, I really like how just weird he is. Like, some of the stuff he comes out with is just odd. And the way he delivers yeah. his lines and stuff, he's a, a really quirky character. Yeah, have you mentored, mentored many people before on this? Oh, I've had loads of these. Never. Yeah. <laughs> and he's he's like, one one more round of millet before we go away and do something. Uh, so back to the rocks then. So Stevens ends up breaking them. And this makes them into nightmares. And there's some cool, like mishmashes of normal phobias and Star Trek in there. Like we've got Klingon clowns and a bog snake. Yeah, there's the Klingon clowns and they've got backlifts for arms. Yeah. <laughs> Which so, anyone who's seen the thumbnail for tonight's episode, that's why yeah. I use And uh, no doubt you'll be able to buy a Klingon clown with Batleth arms action figure before too long. And if you can't then so. they've missed a trick. We need to get them out there. Yeah. And maybe uh a cuddly toy of the bog snake that'd be a yeah that'd be a good one to get you can get cuddly badges yes you can get cuddly badges now though that was one of the star trek day announcements so well done that's yeah have they done a um oh what's it called murph not that i've seen yet murph's definitely coming that's the big slip up because that he should be he should be up there with Baby Yoda. Yeah, the there's a Murph action figure. You get Murph as an accessory with the Dal action figure, but that's only yeah. like six-inch scale action figures. We need full-on plush toy. Yeah. Um, and then when they're going to the cave, 
there's a line where they say, oh, well, it's not a real day in Starfleet until the comms gets blocked, which <laughs> I love it when they do just <coughs> draw out these cliches that we get time yeah. and time yeah, again. Yeah. Like, a little bit later, you get them heating up the rocks with a phaser, and, like, I can't remember which comedian it was, but they said something like, may have been Eddie Izzard, I'm not sure, uh, but they say, like, there's there's four different settings of phases in Star Trek. You've got stun, kill, cut through doors, and heat up rocks. <laughs> and that is pretty much it. That <laughs> yeah. They are the uses of a phaser. Um, the Tendi sort of storyline wraps up the cat doctor gives Tendi a bit of a pep talk and then whips out a chainsaw to take to the guy's foot yeah like why are you ne- you look like you're nearly crying why are you nearly crying he's having his toe eaten yeah. and he's not crying what <laughs> it's like oh, you, you only said you were going to cut my, my foot off to inspire her didn't you no Zzz. And, yeah, they, they realise that it's all a plan. The rock people are working with the colonists and it's all a thing yeah, to try well, and spy. Yeah, it together, don't you, that there's something going on here that they've got these hats on. And it's yeah. like, hold on, so-and-so told me about that the other day. There's more than just our fantasies coming out here. Mm. Now and our minds were red. Yeah, that was it. There were details in there that weren't fantasy, weren't nightmares. They yeah. were just, it was stuff, oh, well, we talked about that last Tuesday or whatever. And Yeah. Yeah, so it was, uh, and again, this is one of them brilliant Lower Decks plots where it's done for laughs here, but this could have been a TNG plot and played oh, out very easy. similar. So easily. And in the midst of all this... Stevens gets turned into stone and his arms get smashed off. Somehow they've revived him by the end. And it's only really quiet dialogue in the background, but he's talking about that he saw the koala, which is yeah, sort of a, a running, a bit of a running gag, isn't it? That there's this koala that guides you to the afterlife or yeah, whatever. Or, or it's the ultimate being in the universe. Yeah. So I like that the koala keeps cropping up every now and again. Yeah, I was brain dead for ten, ten whole minutes. I only saw a koala. Yeah. <laughs> I would love it if the koala turns out to be a big villain in one of the shows. And, you know, don't even do it in Lower Decks. Do it in one of the live action shows and have it played one. seriously. It's this koala. But, yeah, another fun episode of Lower Decks then. I feel like... Yeah, like, is this at the end where... It's not space magic because they find out. Yeah, it's you're like right. The huge control room, and it's reading the thoughts, and then it's projecting these images and all that. Yeah. Uh, because it's just silicon life forms turning people into rock, isn't that? that no. Yeah, you're room. right. So, so yeah. I think this one's not. Re- I don't think this falls into space magic at all. No, I think you're right. I think it's just that they sort of acknowledge it in the dialogue by saying fantasy rocks. Yeah. But, but yeah, it turns out it's not. It, it, this yeah, one... There's so many episodes that are space magic, and this starts as space magic. Yeah. And by the end, it's all explained. Oh, yeah, even... Like, the... even I've tended to get her attention, smashes the rock that the captains are arguing about not taking. Yeah, even the, a, the crew... It's got recording device in. Yeah, it, the, the crew think it's going to be space magic, but it isn't in yeah. the end. You're right. 
So yeah, which I is why you've got to play. Yeah, I feel like Lower Decks has just absolutely found its groove now and found its level. Oh. Like the they're just great fun episodes, and it it really is good fun but, just watching them every week. But they're also good Star Trek. Yeah, they are. Which, it, it, which you could this could go really could have gone really wrong and it hasn't <laughs> no i agree yeah it, doing a parody could have really gone the other way and the fans could have turned on it completely and it just didn't land but it, it's got enough of star trek to to not feel I've like got, it's betraying it but it's still this is definitely funny. one of my favorite series out of the new trek yeah i'd agree so Let's go back then and talk about Booby Trap, which of course is where we first were introduced to a version of Leah Brahms. Yeah, and like, as I've watched this Lower Decks, and then I've rewatched this episode, and I've watched both a couple of times, mm. everyone thinks the name of this episode is about how they get trapped with the other ship in mm-hmm. the asteroid field. And having watched this now, with Lower Decks and Leah Brands, I think it's booby trap on based on there. <laughs> well, it could well be, it could well be, but um, <laughs> it's an interesting episode. This, like, when you talk about this episode, you do just think of the Geordie and Leah Brands thing, but I think the actual booby trap storyline with them getting caught and everything. I think rewatching it, that's actually a really interesting story and it's all done really well. Whereas the Geordie stuff I don't Most think is is, a, is as effective, but we'll we'll sort of pick it out as we go through. But yeah, it, it starts with Geordie getting knocked back on the holodeck. There we go. We know yeah. Geordie's never been lucky in love and never is. As far as we see. This lass has agreed to go on this romantic date with him. And I think she's well out of order. (laughs) She's agreed to go on this romantic date with with him on the holodeck. And she's not interested in him. It's true. And she's let him waste all his time. He's created this program and he's got drinks and violinists. And she's just led him on. It's like, huh? It's like, you know, when you hear about this these like lasses in six forms or high school America and for bets to go out with like the No, oh, you don't think that's what lass. she's done here, do you? It's getting there. Oh I hope yeah, not. I'm not sure if we see this lass again, but I think that we could have a baddie on our hands here. I'd like to think Geordie's not someone who you go on a date for a bet, but but maybe he is. I don't know. There's a really nice shot here in Ten Forward of Data and Wesley, and you've got the asteroids in the background. It is. It's- like, it, it's so rare that we get a shot looking out a window and it's anything but a star field. Yeah. So I just thought that was, and you don't need to put that in well, as a detail, but they have done, and it's great. Like we're still going back to World Disney made nineteen eighty nine. Yeah, yeah, eighty nine. Yeah. Yeah. So this is quite cutting edge mm. video TV effects or special effects for the time. Yeah. Being able to project, have them in front of this star field. 
Yeah, exactly. Like, I imagine that they've got the window and they've literally had a projector screen behind it with that image shot onto it. Yeah, like, they could have either that way or a blue screen, and yeah, but whichever way, it's a, it's a good effect, yeah. and it, it's just nice to have a bit of variety. Yes. Um. Also, like we're in early season three now, so. This is where we're starting to really get a handle on the characters in TNG. And, like, Picard in this episode feels like Picard, whereas there's some yeah. season one and two episodes where he doesn't. But, like, when he sees the battle cruiser and he's talking about how it's historical and you can see his passion for archaeology coming out, yeah. and you, you can definitely there's, feel that the writers have got a, a handle on him. There's some parts in this episode and it's when you listen to his dialogue in the transporter room, you pick up on that it, it's parts to put in to Picard season two mm. of Luke of the scenes with uh, young John Luke yeah. with he, it's over his models. Yes. Yeah. And I think this is the only reference to it. Yeah, it's it shows that they did do the homework for Picard. Yeah. But yeah, stuff like that. I love that we're finally getting a handle on Picard's character at this yeah. point. And he's starting to feel like the Picard we know. And this is one of them episodes where he's like, I want to go on the away team, which yeah. is always good. And this is yeah, where... It, is, it pulls rank on Riker, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, it does. Because, no, I'm going. <laughs> and this is where that scene in the transporter room that he does keep coming out with his ship in the bottle metaphor... And I love how O'Brien's the one who recognises it. He's like, yeah, I did, I sir. And yeah, then, like, all, all the senior officers are looking at him blank and, well, sir, I didn't play with toys. <laughs> yeah. And then when they beam away, though, I love the look that O'Brien, uh, Riker gives O'Brien as if to say, ah, stop bullshitting, stop trying to... Well, it's sort of like, stop trying to kiss ass. And it's yeah. Like, no, I did the greatest chips in bottles. Yeah. <laughs> and I believe O'Brien, I'm sure that... I believe O'Brien, especially like when we see him in DS9 and he builds the huge Alamo model and everything. There you go. Exactly the same so sort of thing, it is yeah. Carried on. He's still into models. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. It's like when you're, when you're a transporter chief on the Enterprise, you've probably got quite small quarters, you haven't really got room to be building anything big, but then well, he gets on DS9, I'm going to build the Alamo. Like, we also had, oh, what's the engineer's name from Voyager, who died just before the end, who'd been in it all the way along. Oh, I can't remember. He should have been chief engineer, but Bolanda got it. Yeah, yes, I know what you mean. But then he ended up being really good to his second, he, he, he agreed with the decision. Yeah. Casey, Kelsey, or something like Kelsey, that. maybe, yeah. I, maybe. I can't remember. But he, but anyway. he was building the ship in the bottle. He was building Voyager in the bottle. Yeah. Because he had one more part to put in before, just as he died. Yes, you're right. Um, have you ever done a so ship in a bottle? It's obviously an engineer's hobby. Yeah. Have you ever done a ship in a bottle? No. Like, they must be so fiddly. Like, I... It, it, like, they do tall ships in the bottle, and mm. I know how they do it, but I wouldn't want to do one. Like, you have to put them in with 
the mass when they put build them, they have to build the masks on hinges and yeah, stuff. Yeah, that's it, and then they pull and they it up. Once so they can pull them up afterwards and stuff. It's I, I did Lego did a did a ship in the bottle, but you know, I, I don't want to spoil the illusion or anything, but the way it worked with Lego, well, you built the ship, then you built the bottle around it, so... Yeah. Yeah, there was a bit of trickery going on there, but anyone who's made a genuine ship in the bottle, respect. Um, Jordi and Guinan, then. So, th- this calls back to Picard as well, and it's always it been... Does. It's always been a reference to Picard. Like she says, a bald man helped me when I was I wasn't myself. Yeah. And, but we've never really had a frame of reference to exactly what she's talking about. But now, after season two of Picard, it's a good bet that she's talking about that time. Yeah, it, it's like it makes you wonder. Like when they were doing season two of Picard, if someone had just watched their booby trap. Yeah, it does because one of the writers. It's because there's a few obscure references. Yeah, but now you see Picard two season two, you go, "Wow, I see what that's referencing." Yeah, it must wow, be that's what I she's. I see where that came from. And... Yeah, it. I mean, it has to be that bit that she's talking about yeah. because it it fits it perfectly. Well, it fits and it ties up. It it does its nice little full circle. Yeah. No, really good attention to detail, and it it it's great when you get something like Picard, and it it opens up new things to talk about in these old episodes. Yeah. So that that's what's so much fun about doing something like this. Like we didn't come back to this episode because of Picard. We've come back to it because of a joke in Lower Decks, but it's unlocked something there. So yeah, yeah. it's great. Um, then the caught in the booby trap then and this is where see I know you think Leah might be a bit questionable but Geordie's a bit creepy in this episode we... uh, right let's start when he first brings Leah in before he's asked the computer to put personality or anything onto her yeah uh, first thing is to put a hand delicately on his shoulder no, that the first. Oh, you're the right. Yes, true. Beers, and he and he's sort of taken off guard. What's what's this? And he's got this. Like, why is she making contact like that in that way? Mm. It's yeah. I mean, this is a problem that Jordy's got because this time last year, from his perspective, he accidentally created Professor Moriarty because he didn't word his commands to the holodeck very well. And yeah. this time, he says, Leah, can you show me the so-and-so? And that accidentally creates this recreate. It's like, Jordy, you're the chief engineer. You've had first-hand experience about how you've got to be careful what you say. <laughs> and he's done it again. But at least this time, it's not as dangerous. But just... Be a bit more careful, Jordy. Don't ask. Don't ask for enemies capable of beating people, and don't ask things to show you things. And he also says, "I want to go to the holodeck so I can get inside the engine," which ties in with something she says later on. It's all a bit, a bit creepy. But anyway, <laughs> then we're trying to solve this problem. This is how he justifies. I'm making this holodeck creation of her and everything and 
yeah. I want to do all it. But instead of cracking on with it, he's like, oh, I'll tell you what, Holodeck, could you maybe give her a bit of personality? And, like, is that really necessary, Jordy? I think he was struggling to communicate. He was mm. still, like, talking to the computer. I'm not sure. I think he's well, started... I want to say here that he, he tried to... Go, he went, pull things from your Starfleet records, mm-hmm. personnel files, um, and then the, the computer goes, I've only got so much from that, and he goes, okay. The, uh, and then he thinks, oh, did she appear? This uh, symposium that someone mm-hmm. like her would be, and this, and this. And he... He has, actually tells the ship to pull even more records. Yeah, he does. To build up a more in-depth character of her, to be how she really is. See, that's it. It's, it is it is a little bit creepy. It's like... Um... What I want to say here as well is that when she could... Like, we see her again in... Um, Gal- is it Galaxy's Galaxy's Child? Galaxy's Child, yeah. Yeah. Which we nearly did for the first step. We first did, episode. yeah. It's lucky we didn't. So now we get to do these in order. But she says in there that she's been married for like six or seven years. Oh, yeah, she does, yeah. Which is only three years later. Surely, it, on her record, personnel files, it would have that she's married. You'd think so, that's yeah. Not like, that's not like a really personal bit no. of information about you, that you hide. I am married. It's like a Mrs. Leah Brams, not Miss Leah Brams. Well, she's Doctor, so maybe that's it. Maybe it, that threw but, him. Nah, but it wouldn't throw the computer based, no. based on the record. You're right. And, yeah, maybe... And, so with this, that she's based on a record, she is still flirty. Oh, she is, definitely. Um, but, yeah, that doesn't mean the... Re- well, we know when the real Leah Brams comes into it, she's not as flirty, but... I wonder if, like, there's some deleted scenes and Geordie's actually doing a bit of a Captain Janeway, you know, the whole delete the wife. And uh, <laughs> the, there's a bit of that going on in between scenes, you know, personalise it a little bit. shorter. Yeah, start doing that. And we met that Make guy at a convention. wider in certain places. We, um. <laughs> we met that guy at a convention, didn't we, a couple of years ago, the guy who played yeah. Janeway's love interest and... I did ask him, like, oh, you know, what was it like playing Kate Mulgrew's dream man? And he he didn't seem that impressed. No. But who knows? Um, Yeah, it didn't seem like that. He thought that was the highlight. No, no, no. Obviously, he shouldn't have come to a sci-fi convention. Maybe not. Maybe (laughs) not. I mean, he didn't look thrilled to be there, did he, if we're honest? But anyway. No. Um, Jordy then, so he's made this holodeck recreation of Leah Brams is tweak the personality here and there and bits like that but he still manages to have this massive argument with her so maybe <laughs> maybe Jordy's just not great with women I know Guinan says oh you've just got to be yourself and all this but yeah. I don't know Hollow Leah Brams isn't that impressed with him at this point and then, of course, the holodeck gets turned off. Yeah, like, let's explain what's happening with the booby trap. Yeah. Because I think this is important, what's coming up. They've been over over to the ship, and what's happening where they are in this asteroid field? Mm-hmm. Basically, any energy that you use, it absorbs. Yeah. 
instead of it going to where it should be. Mm-hmm. You, so if you turn the light switch on, it draws that electricity to where instead of light lighting up mm-hmm. is a good way to describe it. But at the same time, it's also hitting you with radiation. So they're burning through energy just to keep the shields up. Yeah. Right, I think that's important to understand of how the booby trap is working on them. Okay, have you spotted something a bit later yeah, because, on? Well, we come here where it where the whole deck goes off, mm-hmm. and they decide and this, they've worked out that it's the stamping fields or whatever the devices are are on so and so asteroid meteorites and all that mm-hmm. in the field. So they decide that they've got to destroy them. So they go, so Picard goes, target phases, and Data goes, firing the phases with the energy might give them exactly what they want. Yeah. If only the Enterprise had a different weapon it could use to destroy things that wasn't a phaser. That's a good point. Yeah, m- maybe I mean, something that doesn't drop. Like what they used at the end that worked fine. Yeah, that something <laughs> that they launch from the ship that doesn't actively use the ship's energy. Or... Yeah. Yeah, could have been yeah. an idea. Something like a photon torpedo. Oh, yeah. <laughs> maybe they've run out. Maybe it's a bit not like like Voyager and its, it's no, infinite supply. I know they haven't. That's um, the problem. I did find it a little bit funny where Geordi sort of has to explain why he needs the holodeck back on. And you can see he's embarrassed a little bit. Like, to be fair to him, the reason he wants it is perfectly justified and it is helping. But because we yeah. know that he sort of fancies this holodeck thing, there's almost a bit and of he's embarrassment. Been to eat with her as well. Exactly, like, it, it's almost like he's got to explain explain to the captain why he wants his porno mags back or so. You know, yeah. it's, it, there's sort of a little bit of a vibe of that, like a bit of embarrassment about it all. Um, then the debate seems to be, do we turn it over to the computer, which can do a million billion calculations, or... Do we do the complete opposite and turn everything off except for a couple of thrusters? And yeah. they, they decide to do that one, which... Yeah. The, Leah didn't really help Jordy get to that. Like, she... She wanted to do the computer way. So, really, well, arguably, she's helped him think it well, through and bounce fair, ideas off. If, but, you've turned, if you've turned everything off and you're just using the thrusters, if that doesn't work, you can still do it her way. That's true, yeah, you Whereas could have if you do it her way and it doesn't work, you can't fall back on the thrusters. Unless you, you use everything. Unless you crash into an asteroid while you're trying to do it with the thrusters, yeah. but... But yeah, it's. Um, I'm just wondering if there was any point in Leah Brands in the whole. I suppose you could argue that if Geordie hadn't have had her there, he wouldn't have thought it through in the same way and come to the same conclusion. Yeah. So. So yeah, and I like that Picard decides he's going to fly the ship 
you know, it's yeah, it's. I'm going to do this. I'm not going to put it on one of my crew to do it. Yeah, it's a big. Yeah, the, the, this is life or death. So it should be the captain who actually. Well, to be fair, if it was the original Enterprise, I'd want Sulu actually fly. Yeah, I would rather than Kirk. Yeah. Um, if it was the Enterprise with Pike, I'd want um, Ortega's flying yeah. for the Pike. Um. On in on Discovery, I'd want um, oh, what's her name? Detmer. Detmer flying it. Um, so it's almost like we're saying yeah, the helm. I'm not sure. Voyager, I'd want um, you'd want Paris flying it. Yeah, you it. would. So the helmsmen are there because they're very good. Yeah, at what they're the doing. best helms person. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The wouldn't... captain has a lot. The captain does a lot of things. And he probably is a good pilot, and he probably is a good scientist, and he probably is a good this. But there's people who are better at them specific tasks. Yeah, it's all... The vibe I get from Picard is, like, it's my responsibility, so I should do it. But like you say, his thought process should be... I need the the best person to do this because this is going to go wrong. Yeah, it could go wrong. Um, But he manages to do his cool bouncing off the Astra. He likes using gravitational wells for stuff. He he does a slingshot, gravity assist. Yeah, because he does that in, oh, what is it? The season one episode where Wesley does like the academy, pre-academy track, coming of age, is it? Picard has to talk a lad who steals a shuttle and he gets him to bounce it off the atmosphere. Yeah. So Picard likes doing stuff like this. It's one of of his tricks. Um, Then the other creepy bit. So we've already had Geordi saying he wants to get inside the engine. And then Hollow Leah finishes it by saying, well, every time you touch the engine, it's me. Which, yeah. that's just creepy. He must have programmed her to say that. That's Well, this is my point that I think Leah might actually be a bit of a hussy. But then who made her like that? Was it Geordie who made her? Cause she's... No, because we've seen the same with... Uh... Oh, what's his name that we've just talked about in Lower Deck? Rutherford. Rutherford. So... So what what you're saying then is that the real Leah Brahms must give off a vibe that makes men imagine her to be like this. Yeah, or she is like that, and that's why from her personality files and her profile and, mm, and maybe. look at what she did at um, so-and-so symposium and so-and-so conference. Oh, yeah, maybe that she this was... Is what, this is the conclusion that the computer drew. And what uh, happens here? Because Rubber Donny, his fantasy is meeting the great engineer who create, creates engines, not uh, anything sexual. True. But his fantasy is immediately sexual on him. You do that make. That it's actually Leah Brahms who's the problem here. You do make a very compelling argument for it, but. And, and that's why I think the episode Booby Trap is actually about her. It's her boobies that are the trap. Yeah. Yeah. I suppose the counterpoint to that argument is in Galaxy's Child, she's not really like that, but... 
Yeah, but she comes around with George. It doesn't she? She bit. does. And I, also, um, in All Good Things, we find out that in that version of the future, they got married, so... Yeah. Yeah, okay. Well, the jury's out on Leah Brams, then. We, we will cover Galaxy's Child at some point. It might even be next week. You never know with Lower Decks. Uh, but how it ends, though, this, this annoys me at the end as well. Yeah. That they've got out of the asteroid field. Uh, they know there's a ship there. But the ship's not... The ship that is there is giving out for distress call. Mm-hmm. But it's not actually caused any of the issues. True. That's been devices in the asteroid field. And they've got the photon torpedoes. They're out now. So they could probably use phases as well. Yeah, yeah, they could. Because, like, Picard tells Worf, target torpedoes on the ship. Yeah. And three of them hit asteroids, which again shows Worf is a shit shot. <laughs> yeah, it does. But why not destroy the asteroids there and save the ship for the museum? Yeah, because, I mean, the way Picard talks about it, like when he goes on the bridge and he's like, oh, yeah. this bridge design, it's so... Yeah, there's... There was no reason to destroy the ship at the end. Yeah. You could have quite easily cleared the asteroids. It's like Indiana Jones, like, it belongs in a museum. Yeah. But I think it's important that we notice what a shit shot Worf was here. He, yeah. Four torpedoes, direct order to hit the ship, <laughs> and only one of them hit the ship. That's pretty bad. I mean, it's a good thing that wasn't a ship that were trying to kill him. Yeah. If that was an enemy ship that was... And it was stationary when he shot it yeah. as well. It's a very good point. And they're stationary as well. <clears throat> they're like... And they're head-on, facing it. Yeah. It's not even got to do a funny angle of moving the torpedoes. They're going straight line. This is why there's all them YouTube videos of Worf getting his plans turned down and refused and everything like that. Um, right then, so any more on that one then before we wrap up? Oh, I think I've just about uh, ripped into Leah Brown and <laughs> had to go at Worf enough. <laughs> well, we'll look forward to Galaxy's Child and see if it changes your opinion, but... Um, yeah, uh, we'll be back next week then talking about the next Lower Decks and whatever path that leaves, leads us down. You can get in touch with us in the meantime at RetrekPod on Twitter, RetrekPod at gmail.com if you want to email us. Or search for us pretty much on any social platform we're on there. There's a Facebook group, there's YouTube channels. Uh, we've just come off the back of anyone who saw it we did a live appearance in Squeefest at the weekend along with Dr. Squee and in that episode we talked about Galaxy Quest it will turn up on the podcast feed at some point but the reason I'm mentioning it is that was all in aid of Shelter the housing charity the donations for that are still open so if you check out Dr. Squee, uh, the Dr. Squee show, Squee Fest, search for that on YouTube, it's all on there, and donations are still open. Check all that out, but for us then, um, thanks for trekking with us this time, we'll see you next time on the Retrek. Thank you, bye-bye.